Of the kick spot. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, we got me- some special guests in the house here. Very, very special. Uh, obviously, your guests, Migs Pajardo and Ginu Park. Yes, sir. Ginu Park here. Um, this actually is uh, a very, very uh, exciting episode for us. We have Miss Alice Gu, which is the director. Is that correct? Director DP, yes. Director and producer. Is that right? Director, yeah, producer, producer, and everything. Director of photography. Wow. Not everything, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of the documentary called The Donut King, uh, which will be out shortly. Is it fall? Out? This fall. fall. will be awesome. out this fall. So um, we wanted to kind of talk about what that documentary is about and how she got the idea to produce and direct the film. Uh, she's going to give us the insights on that. But also, we have uh, one of my dear family members, my uncle. Chris Combe, or uncle in uh, by marriage at this point, right? <laughs> <But> so, <laughs> for you. You know, so also my investment banker. <laughs> Call him at Wells Fargo. Call him at Wells Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's also part of the movie. Uh, he's actually the son of the main character that we're going to be talking about. Uh, Ted Nagoy, Grandpa Ted. He is dubbed the Donut King. Uh, and we'll give it a little bit of a history and background of why he's called the Donut King. Um, so let's get started. This is actually the first time we don't have our laptops with us. This yeah, very, no, I, this is very weird. Yeah, and, I, and I'm excited because I heard so much about this documentary um, and I was actually seeing a lot of uh, social media posts on it. So I didn't know if it was when it was going to come out. I heard South by Southwest and obviously everything happened. Uh, but I did start seeing advertisements. I didn't know exactly um, what the story was about until you didn't they, even know it was like my family. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know. Oh, no way. Yeah, that's then, so cool. Yeah, and then Sappy, you know, uh, posted something on her Instagram, and I'm like, hey, are you related to this like thing? <laughs> like, she's like, yeah, that's my my grandpa, and I was like, what is going on? No so way. yeah, really, really cool story. So um, let let's just dig deep into yes. to what the Donut King is about. Um, so Alice, if you want to share what the Donut King is about. Donut King. It's about donuts. Of course, it's about donuts. Um, but it is about Chris, Uncle Combs' father, yep. Ted mm. Noy or Nagoy. Um, so Ted, for people who live in Southern California, you may have, may not may or may not have noticed that there's lots of donut shops. Yeah. A lot Time. of donut shops. Tons on every strip mall, every corner. You know, and I'm not talking about Yum Yum or Dunkin' Donuts or Krispy Kreme. I'm talking about like donuts or like Miss Donut or all these little mom and pop donut shops mm-hmm. and if you like donuts and you've gone and bought donuts you may have noticed that everyone is Asian yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. inside these yeah. Donut shops. yeah uh, and in in the case of some of our friends they're like oh well I've always knew they were Asian but I thought that was just my shop but then I didn't realize every shop had Asian uh, Asian donuts mm. so we have Ted Noy, the Donut King, to thank for that. Ted Noy was, is, uh, but he was a, a refugee to California in 1975. He was born and raised in, in Cambodia. And a bit of a, you know, I won't go too far into history lesson here, but there was unrest, civil war, Pol Pot, dictator, Khmer Rouge, genocide. 
Um, all of that happened in, in 1975 is when it started. And he was able to get out. And it was the one and only time in U.S. history that an American president issued an executive order to receive refugees into this country. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, I know. There was so much that I discovered in, yeah. in, our, in our own country's history in uncovering this story. Um, and it, so that was President Gerald Ford at the time. Okay. And, you know, this was on the tail end of the Vietnam War. And this was Camp Pendleton, and they were given orders. They said, you have 24 hours. We're going to be receiving 50,000 refugees from Southeast Asia. Mm. And the soldiers, whether they liked it or not, and whatever their political beliefs were at the time, they followed an order. And they erected camps, telecommunications, sanitation, food, cots. I mean, they, they received all these people, and Ted Noy was one of them. Mm. And he uh, arrived, you know, scared. Penniless. I mean, Cambodia is a tropical, lush country coming to California. It's a desert. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was cold. I mean, completely different people. And he counted on the kindness of others. So that came in the form of a sponsor. And so Dean Beaumont sponsored him and his family. And he hustled. He, he got a job as he would do anything. It didn't matter. It did not matter who you were in Cambodia at the time. You scrub toilets. You do it. You mop floors. You do it. You work at a gas station, you do it. So he did all of that. He, he took three jobs, saved his money, and God, I'm sorry, I'm giving a very long answer here. No, no, <laughs> this is great. One of his jobs that he's hustling, uh, he worked at a gas station, mm -hmm. and is the night gas station attendant. And I mean it when he worked 24 hours a day to support his family. Is it the one on Tustin? The one on Tustin. Yeah, the one on Tustin, yeah. And from that gas station, that was a 24-hour gas station, and across the way was... It was actually a D-Case. It was a D-Case Donuts. Oh. And what he saw from that gas station, he's like, oh, God, it smells really good. You know, the, the smell keeps wafting over. But <laughs> what he also saw, that it was nonstop traffic. And being the shrewd businessman that he was, yeah. this place is like printing money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nonstop, yeah. there's customers in and out. He's like, this is my way out of, out of like pumping gas for people. Yeah. So he went in and... And they said, can I get a job? And they're like, go train at Winchell's Donuts. Mm -hmm. And he became the first Asian to be accepted into the Winchell's Donuts manager program. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. I know. That's and then from, from going into the program to being the manager of his first shop, it was only six months. Oh, wow. That's it? That was super fast. That was super fast. Super fast. It was for somebody who like barely spoke English. Yep. Uh, and, you know, he was saying that they didn't normally except applicants like him hmm. but uh, they said he was particularly you know i don't know if aggressive is the right word but aggressive yeah. like he's yeah. like he's like dude you have to you cannot say no like he was just very persistent I'm like all right okay so he was the first asian allowed in the winchell's management program that's a true entrepreneur crazy true entrepreneur, true entrepreneur yeah. and he took that and saved that and bought his first donut shop second donut shop third donut shop on and on and on and on. So, question. So, how did you get a hold of this story? And then, when you got hold of it, when did you start thinking, like, I'm going to make a documentary and just research the entire thing? Like, how did this come about? So, it's a little interesting. I was a new mother at the time. I had a little baby. And I had a new nanny come. I was living in Santa Monica. And my husband went and bought from, like, this high-end bakery. He brought home pastries mm -hmm. that are like very coveted you know these are like the high-end pastries 
And he offered one to our nanny, and she said, "Oh, no, thank you. I only eat Cambodian donuts." What? what are you about? I'm like, these are these are from Huckleberry. These are like five dollars and fifty cents each. You know, like you're totally wow. thinking you have these like gourmet donuts. Yeah. And she's like, "No, I'm good. I only eat Cambodian donuts." What are you talking about? You know, and so we kind of like, I, unlike COVID times, I was very busy and I was constantly in and out. I was like, I don't even have time to address this question right now. And I'd come home for like a second. She's like, I found a Cambodian donut shop. And I was like, great. You know, and I'd leave. And I'm, as I'm driving, I'm like, what is a Cambodian donut shop? <laughs> what is a Cambodian donut? How did she find a Cambodian donut shop? Uh-huh. I'm like, I've lived here for eight years. She's lived here for a week. She doesn't drive. Uh-huh. How has she found yeah. a Cambodian donut yeah. shop already? And then the next day, she had Cambodian donuts for my husband and I. Was it in a pink box? It was only two. So it was in a little wax, oh, like okay. a little yeah. wax yeah. bag. And she said, well, I got you Cambodian donuts. Okay. You know, so I took, <laughs> take Cambodian donuts and I take a bite. My husband takes a bite and they're delicious and soft and fluffy. And we're like, this is really good. But I think this is a, a glazed donut, Just a right? glazed donut. <laughs> and, and, and she was like, yeah, but it's a Cambodian donut. I'm like, why is it Cambodian? This is like a glazed donut that I've seen since I was yeah, a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's Cambodian because Cambodian people make it. He said, but if Cambodian people make it, it's still an American donut. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, we're having this conversation. And she's like, no, but it's Cambodian. She's insisting that they're Cambodian. I'm like, no, they're American. And she says, no, look it up. It's like Cambodian donuts. You can tell they're they're fresher. They're less sweet. They're fluffier. Oh, interesting. And I wanted to prove her wrong. or to, I'm like, what are you talking about? So I Google, like, I'm just like on my phone and I Google it. All these articles come up. LA Times, 1985. LA Times, 1992. LA Times, da da da. Like all of these different articles. This is why your donut boxes are pink, from rags to riches. Oh wow! Wow. The 92 article from the LA Times was says, "Oh, the fall from you know." Yeah, yeah, he yeah, had yeah. A, He has. He's had a bit of a up and down, up and down yeah. kind of a life. But of course, that's what captive these headlines captivated me. I'm like, this is why our, our donut boxes are pink. And this is the story of one man, the refugee, who did it. And I read every article that I could, and I was completely fascinated. And I was dumbfounded that I didn't know this story. And I, and being Asian, I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. And I said, I, somebody's got to make a movie about this guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I was like, I think I want to make this movie. <laughs> I think I want to do it. Why, why can I do it? <laughs> yeah. And crazily enough, uh, I decide to call I'm like okay so cold calling sucks right yeah, 100%. it sucks anyway you slice it or dice it and then just like me being asian and like knowing trying to get other asian people who are not born here trying to cold call you're bound yeah. to reach a lot of dead ends yeah like a lot of no's mm-hmm. and i was like oh god i guess i'm just gonna have to cold call DK's Donuts in Santa Monica. You know, I just call like the spot. And to my surprise, a girl with perfect English picks up the phone. And then you do the awkward like, hey, um, so my name is Alice. I'm a filmmaker. You don't know me, but like, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to make a movie. And you just, you know, this, this awkward cold call pitch. Yeah. And she says, okay, well, You've called the right place and you've called the right person. Ted is my great uncle. Okay. I can help you. Are you on Facebook? 
and she connected us. Got it. And that was complete kismet because she's not always at the store. And if anybody else had picked up the phone that day at DK's, it would have been, it, it been, it yeah, been no. no. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought to call back. You know, I think about that all the time. Yes. That would have been a no. I'd be like, oh God, and dead ends. How am I going to find this guy? Yeah. They may not even speak English. Or they may not even speak English. Exactly. So it's the, the stars really aligned to tell this story. So you connected with how many family members to create the documentary? Uh, or fr- f- friends as well, too, I guess. The family is very large. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> the family is very large. And um, so it was, and it was also confusing for me at the very beginning because everybody's uncle and everybody's aunt. <laughs> and everybody's, on the way here. So I'm like, who is, I'm like, so he is your uncle. She's like, okay. And, and yes, everybody's uncle and everybody's auntie. Yeah, yes. it's still confusing. So you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't blame you. Um, so I connected with Mei Lee. So she is the donut princess. She calls herself the donut princess of LA. And Ted is the great uncle. So then I connected with Ted. Ted put me in touch with Chris. Um, from Chris, then I met Chet. And I met Savvy. And I met Christy. Gosh, and then met Susan and mm-hmm. her daughter Amanda. Met Adam Vaughn. Gosh. Met Ted's cousin, who is uh, Chai Boon. And his daughters, Linda and Annette. So I feel like it's a fraction of the family. Yeah. But it was still pretty vast. I couldn't include any more characters without making the story very yeah. diluted. So Uncle Kong, when Alice, you know, got a hold of you, what were your initial thoughts? Mm-hmm. Um, we, were, we were flattered, number one. Uh, but of course, everything had to be my dad. You know, so. Yeah. And at the time. He's still in Cambodia. I met him when he came. He oh, was when here, he came, but he was we here spoke two before. or three weeks. Right, right, right. Two or three weeks. So later. you know, I, I told, I reached out to him, and he was excited and all that. Okay. But remember, there was someone else in the picture. Um, I know. We're very thankful, just so okay. you know, for the record, because I think if we stuck with the initial plan, we'd probably still be in the planning phase. Um, so so, anyways, someone else was in the picture trying to do the same thing. Oh, and interesting. Alice, Alice came on board and pitched, and then when my dad came to visit, uh, what year was that? 2017 or 18? 18. Maybe 18. He came to visit, and that's when we set up a, a meeting to meet Alice, and we all loved her, you know, the whole family, my wife, you know, my dad. And so that's when my dad decided, you know, I really would rather Alice. Oh, wow. And so, um, you know, it was really helpful, I have to say. So our first... We connected by Facebook. We just like Facebook Messenger. And then he says, hey, can we like talk on the phone? And I said, yeah, of course. So we did a little Facebook audio. And it was so funny. His English is great. You know, perfect English. Oh, wow. And he asked a question. So he's like, oh, OK, Alice, so you're like a, a director in Hollywood. I said, yeah. Yeah, so you're like a director. I'm like, yeah. Send him and, um, and, and he said, OK, so you're like a you're like American. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, like, uh, like, like white, American. And I said, I, I said, actually, no, I'm, I'm Chinese. And he's like, oh, really? He's like, I'm Chinese. I'm like, you are? And he, he's like, yeah. He's like, my mother's Chinese. He's like, I'm Chinese. I, I speak Ma- Mandarin. I said, I speak Mandarin. And so we started speaking in Mandarin. Oh, cool. And I feel like that broke the ice yes. instantly. Awesome. And we started talking. And there were so many parallels. Again, my, I, my family is not Cambodian, but it was... 
communist China, coming here, then building from nothing, giving us all that we wanted. And there were so many commonalities, and then being able to speak in the mother tongue was just another kind of like level of trust and understanding. So that was, it ended up being super, super helpful. But at the same time, my dad's not a hard guy to talk to. Oh, your dad is <laughs> yeah, like... he's super He can talk to your anybody. Your dad. Anybody, <laughs> yeah. So... He's very charismatic, I, I will say that. I've never met anyone in my life yeah. quite like yeah, Ed Noy. I love her, Mainly's mom, yeah. Chuang. We actually do. We love her. And she said, you know Ted Noy? He can sell snow to an Eskimo. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I believe that. And I said, I believe that. I've used that that uh, comparison. And I said, I I, that I'm like, that is so true. Yep. 100%. And so I guess for me, did you ever read the book, The Donut King? There's a book? Yeah. That's I, how I knew the entire story because of the book. Oh, yeah. The book came out, it was, again, it was Kismet. Every, the stars had aligned. The book hadn't been published yet. So this was like in April. Oh. And he was coming a few weeks later. Purpose for a yeah. book launch. Yes, yes. And I said, I can't believe this. So then I actually have source material. Wow. Yeah. So I was just going off of like the articles that I read, but right. then having that book was invaluable. As, right. Again, that was like a, the Bible that we always went back to. Yeah, because I, I was reading it. I was going through all these like business trips and that was like my time to read the book. And he knows, like I would text him, just feeling so inspired because I'm like, I would call him like, Grabate did this? Like, like he went and uh, yeah. like he went and like gave all these families like a donut shop and he didn't have to pay them until they made a profit. Like that to me, I was because we, our history together is we went door to door, yeah, for like years, and we know how hard that is. Yeah, that's that's why we're okay. we're friends. Yeah, yeah. apparently, it makes more sense. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. And you know, so we 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 understand the hustle and reading that book, and and I go, and he didn't. And he wanted to save people from the regime. He wanted to bring them here and give them a better life. That to me was like was, the best thing that I've read. It's so, I mean, his story is so good and it's so good yes. to tell because it is so complex. It is, yes. It is so complex because if it is just the story about a saint, that's also not that interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, well, like if somebody's just like so perfect and you're watching like, okay, like I get, it, get this, it, this person's perfect. <laughs> and, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be like but like yeah. this guy, he's like, Oh, he's got flaws just like me, you know. And I feel like that's what connects the most to an audience is when somebody is imperfect, um, but aspirational and inspirational yes. too. Yes. And I, you know, I got that 100% from from Ted. If they're too perfect, then they're just annoying. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so is this like is it is the Donut King documentary just is that the sort of film that you tend to produce and tend to make? Like, do you do do you make documentaries or? You know, do you make other films? This was it was my first full length doc. Wow! Oh, you know, wow. I've been I've been busy making commercials, and I've been busy as a DP before this. That stands for director of photography, cinematographer, for a lot of the documentary greats. And that's like Rory Kennedy, Werner Herzog, Stacy Peralta, and I. So I've, I've learned from the greats in the business, um, and you know, it's like you're, you know, it's fate. And would really, this is your fate, like life finds you. And this story, I feel like, found me whether I wanted to avoid it or not, you know, the story really found me. And it, yeah, it was just, um, it was everything that I 
love. I, I, it's really what I, what what I'm attracted to is character and really a character story and a character's arc in life. Were there any struggles um, you know, making this film? Any challenges? Challenges that you ran across? Yes. Uh, <laughs> so what, she flew to Cambodia? You did? Oh, you did? Yeah, I flew oh. to Cambodia yeah. twice. I was going to ask how you were able to do that. Flew to Cambodia twice. Um, you know, it's it's also not always easy to ask somebody to give you hundreds of thousands of dollars to go and make a movie. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Especially this was my first film. So, you know, I'm, I know me and I'm confident in my abilities, but if I'm talking to someone like, hey, you want to write me a check yeah. for like $400,000 or something? Yeah. Like, it's not that easy, yeah. Yeah. you know, or, all, um, or they're like, oh yeah, sure. There were times they're like, oh yeah, sure. And they're like, okay, the money will hit your account in 10 days. Really? We're like, great. And then 10 days go by and we're like, where's the, where's oh. the money? You know? and, then, <laughs> and then at this point, um, I mean, this actually happened. There was a point that they're like, the money will hit your account in 10 days. We're like, great, well, let's get going on this. And then Jose and I started personally financing it. Oh wow. oh, wow. Because the money would be there in 10 days. We'd pay ourselves back the money never came. Wow. And so we like, did that for a few months <laughs> like and then at this point we're so invested in it we're like mm-hmm. can't stop now like we're we're like so into it like we're like part of the family like we feel yeah. like we're so uh, like ingrained in the family absolutely. and we're talking to ted every day we're like how do we like we just had to keep the faith and it happened yeah because one of the things that how this all came about was we had a podcast and we were we started talking about it during his his episode and off offline after the after we shot and he goes hey you should really talk to Alice and and really do the, the Donut King episode for you guys but at that at literally that was our second episode at that time we were still trying to figure out like yeah. what we're about and like yeah. how and our we, identity our identity like our content like you know and I was like I don't think we're ready for that yet because that's kind of like a big deal documentary <laughs> you know episode but it was one of the things that I one of the episodes that I really wanted to showcase because one, I'm close to them. And number two, I wanted to really help promote this movie, mm-hmm. this documentary, just because of grandpa's story. And just like what you said, there's two sides to him, right? There's the perfect side and there's the, the, the imperfect side. And showing that and showing the, the rise and the struggle and the rise back, I mean, it, it does tend to relate to a lot of people. And I, we both love anything that's inspiring and aspiring and help people move especially with their emotions yeah. that's the process. that's the, pro- the yes. process is what we love mm-hmm. on how they got there you know i've learned so much about um people you know i learned a lot about myself and what makes you know what i've again i've said i i love what makes things very exciting for me is is people mm-hmm. right as I, I i love the humanity and telling the human side of everything and there is actually a day that I was running in Santa Monica, and and you know you can it's very easy you know when things are like oh you know that person like stole or this person did whatever and it's go oh that's so bad like what a terrible person I would never do that right but I on this journey Ted was born like in super poverty in this like tiny village. There's like without paved roads, no shoes, no future. And like from a kid, he knew that he wanted more than this. He's like, I, I'm destined for more than like this tiny little village life. 
And I feel like it's so easy to cast judgment when, say you were born like really comfortable, you've never been hungry. Like when you're born poor, you'll do anything to get food. Yeah. You'll do anything to not be poor anymore. <clears throat> and I feel like that helped me really understand people's motivations. Like I, like I was saying, I was on this run in Santa Monica and somebody had built this like new spec home that was like millions of dollars. And as I was running past, the door was open. And I was like, oh, look, the door's open. You know, and not for a second did I even think, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go inside and see if there's anything <laughs> I could take, you know? But that's because I've never needed it. Yeah. I've never needed to go and be like, oh, there's nothing more. Yeah. Like, because I've never been hungry, yeah. fortunately, you know? Thank the Lord. Yeah. But someone who is, and you're like, oh, man, that person went in that house. and like, you know, that person's hungry. They'll do anything to feed their kid. There is motivations, and I feel like that is such a, complex and beautiful like character study to not be so quick to judge people on their decisions it was actually an interview that i had with ted do you remember like a couple years ago there was like the migrant caravan is coming from is moving through central america and the migrant caravan is going to end up at our border and the migrant caravan is full of like rapists and thieves and murderers i do remember that. it was like all these people from central america who were like we just want to get to the u.s and it was on the news as like these are horrible people. And Jose and I were like, what if there's like an Uncle Ted in that yeah. caravan? Like people are just yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. be like, I need to get out of El Salvador. And you know, this isn't meant to be political, but it was just like, there could be like somebody in there. And I asked Ted during one of our interviews and I said, hey, you were a refugee and you came and you succeeded, you built bridges in the community. You've actually completely changed the entire landscape of donuts. In not only just Southern California, but like, or like west coast of the United States. So what would you say, you know, to the migrant caravan that that it's full of thieves and murderers? You know, Ted said he's like, you know, you don't know what people have to do when they're hungry and you have to save your kid. Yeah. Like Ted didn't even be like, oh, they're not murderers and they're not rapists yeah. and they're, they're not um, thieves. He's like, you don't know what those people are up against. Yeah. That was not the answer I was expecting from him. And God, if it came time to like protecting my kid, mm -hmm. yeah, I would murder him yeah. if someone was coming after him. So that would technically make me a murderer all of a sudden. Yeah. But uh, am I a bad person? I don't, I hope not, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, there's so much gray. It's, everything's not just so black and white when it comes to survival and what you have to do. Yeah, that perception as well too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alice, what we're going to do is we're going to take a uh, short break. Um, and then uh, for all the listeners out there, obviously, as you get to hear this story, this is a story that I, th I think anybody should watch and, and learn, yeah. um, especially from an immigrant family like, you know, that is, like, yeah, like my, my parents, I think about them and like it tears me up, to, you know, knowing like what they were, did for me and, and obviously I have a better opportunity because of them. So it's just an inspirational story. So when we come back, we're going to talk with uh, the producer, director, of the Donut King, Alice, and then obviously Uncle Cole. <laughs> you are listening to Kickspot. You are listening to Kickspot. Awesome. And we're back uh, to part two of the Donut King episode with Alice Gu and Chris Ngoy. I don't really know how to pronounce your last name, so it'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds yeah. good to me. Yeah. It's like Ngoy, Noi, you know, no, Ngoy. It's a lot. But um, no, we're super excited. Um, we just talked about and discussed the history and the background of Alice's inspiration behind the film and, you know, what made her do it. And 
Now we're gonna talk a little bit more about like what the film really is, and you know, ask her questions like, you know, how she kind of put things together and, and, and things of that nature. So, one of my first question is in the book, there's a love story between Grandpa Ted and Grandma Christie. <laughs> Grandpa Ted, <laughs> not not this, not this guy, not this guy. But I want to know like like how you felt, especially reading the book, and and especially talking and spending time with with him. Like how you felt about that and how I mean I, I thought that was super romantic like just the beginning part and how he helped her get here and stuff like that so can you elaborate on that? Yeah, it was well of course you read it and it's God it's like Romeo and Juliet right? It's right. Very very <laughs> dramatic and for people who don't know and I don't want to give too much away there's all kinds of like forbidden love yep. and suicide or attempted suicides and all you know it's oh. very very dramatic and. And um, you, you're not sure how much is for dramatic effect. You know that's poetic license, you know, taken into writing the story. And you know, when I first met Ted, also, you know, we're like we the guard was kind of still up a little bit. Like we don't. It takes a little while for the guard to come down, and and we're like, oh, you know, maybe it was an exaggeration, or maybe this part's not true, or you know, you don't know. And. You know, at the end, finally, oh my God, I had him sit in a chair for 10 hours and talk to me and tell me everything. I'm like, oh. I'm going to break down every guard and every, like, you're going to talk to me. And he said, he, then we got to that story, and he said, look, and he lifted up his shirt. He had three puncture wounds from when he tried to kill himself. He stabbed himself three times oh. when he was Gangster. told that he could not be with, with Christy Sugantini at the time. Oh, and wow. we were like... Damn! Not only was it true, like he's got he's got yeah, the wounds, seen it. he's like, got the yeah. wounds to prove it. Yeah. Um, it's pretty. That kind of says speaks volumes about Ted. He's he's all in on everything. He doesn't go halfway. So, what other items captivated you on making this film? Uh, God, just about this, like before I knew him, or mm -hmm. before and after you knew him, like as you got to know the family as well. So, from the book, you know, there, again, it was almost like healing for me. As you said, you guys come from immigrant families too, so it's a greater understanding of what our parents went through. So that was very therapeutic and healing for me personally. Um, you know, his story about helping people, that was incredible. The politics were incredible, you know, and about how we tend to think now, like, Republicans are like, hey, this is all America, and like, refugees aren't welcome. And in the 70s, it was the Democrats who were like, refugees go home, and then Republicans were like, um, refugees come here. Yeah, yeah. So it that was super interesting and enlightening. Um, and back to many shades of gray. There's it's just not black and white. There's so many shades of gray in everything. Uh, there was, I'll tell you a funny story, there, in the book, um, in the book, about the uh, Cambodian dance troupe. That was in the book. That was in yeah, the book, right? Yes, yeah. So, oh God, some of the challenges were for just finding stuff and people who were like willing to talk. So, I mean, even getting the mom to talk for a while was like pretty hard. Getting the siblings, Chet and Savvy, to talk. Chris knows how hard that was. Cause oh, I, yeah. Well, I worked him, and I was like, Chris, you gotta work your siblings. You gotta work your siblings. He was I'm like, the I'm the sucker. Like, 
Like, how's it going, Mike? Have, they, have you broken them down? <laughs> you got to work your siblings. So there's just a lot of... Uh, old school Asian people, first of all, are not that communicative yeah. in the first place. So you're just trying to find, like, like, what about this dance troupe? I'm like, what was the name of the dance troupe? You guys went to D.C.? Like, what's... Who else was involved? Oh, I think maybe Christy's sister, but... So she's like, call my sister. I call the sister, and she's like, yeah, I can't remember. And, and like, how much of this is true? And so the second time we were in Cambodia, and this was already like there was the dance trip had made the cut, but we didn't have like stuff to beef up the story. And I said, Ted, I just have to ask you, this is the day before we left, that dance troupe that you talk about that you hosted 52 kids, like, can you tell me anything? Like, the name, where they performed, can you tell me anything about that dance troupe? Nobody has anything. And he says, oh, hey, right, right here. The guy that I sat next to dinner the whole night, he's like, this guy, was he was a kid in that dance troupe. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, what? On my last day? You have to be kidding me. And he's like, <laughs> you're like oh, yeah, yeah, come. And he's like, oh, yeah, I was in that dance troupe. I was a kid at the time. And just when you think like a story is like not true, it's true. not only is it true, it's better oh, wow, than you yeah. ever imagined it. There's stuff that Ted did. And he's like, oh, so he took us in. We were in the house. We like, he took us to D.C. We met the president. I remember a helicopter landed, and then President Bush Senior like lifted off in that helicopter, and we were like, whoa, this is incredible. He's like, then we went to Broadway, and he took us to New York. And Ted's like, I did. And he's like, yeah, you took us all to New York, and we all saw Broadway shows. <laughs> And Ted's like, I don't even remember. So, I mean, imagine footing the bill for 52 kids wow. to go to D.C., footing the bill for 52 kids to go to New York, see a Broadway show. And this kid, then they finally raised enough money to be sent back to Cambodia. So they went home to Cambodia, and then it was like the 90s or something when Facebook was invented. This kid never forgot. And he said, as soon as Facebook was invented, he's like, I, I have to find... Ted, the oh. guy who like made such a big difference in my life, and he found wow. him, and they connected on Facebook. That was the first person he wanted to find on Facebook. Well, I can tell you this story is real because all 52 of them were in our house. Really? Oh. Was, yeah, Mission Wheel. Yeah. The, the oh, the mansion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. The pool. Crazy. All 52? Yeah. Yes. They're can all you downstairs. Fit 52? Oh yeah. yeah. I saw it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, how come you guys are not? But it was crazy. So. Know the whole story or not? I guess they ran out of money. Back then, I was a kid, you know, so whatever, you know. And uh, I guess we took them in, and you're saying that they, my dad paid. I'm like, how did he? Pay? I don't know. Yeah, it was on the downside of his. I'm not sure. Well, he well he point, arranged but. for them to. So the original promoter who brought the kids here. Yeah. So like, hey, you're gonna do this tour, and he. It never materialized, so these kids were now stuck. And that, that guy was out of money, and all these kids were stuck here and had no way of going home. So Ted did some other like fundraising efforts and did put on some other shows. We actually found a ticket stub that the kids did oh. and raised money, and he just spread the word. He's like, you guys have to come and support and buy tickets for the show because that's how the kids are going to get home. You know, as you're reading um, the book... Sometimes people say like the book is better than the movie or vice versa. Um, how did you convey all of that plus more? Because I'm sure like the, the book only talked about a certain thing. You're you're like a private investigator as well too. 
So how did you <laughs> how did you display that um, with the, the documentary? You know, the book um, is is so good. Again, it was like the most invaluable source material that you could go off of. But then there's a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily get into a book. You know, like really personal, nuanced moments that um, that you may not want to put out there right away. Yeah. You know, and after gaining some trust, then you know, Ted's like, all right, I'm I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you what happened. Um, but yeah, it was, it was. This was a hard one in editorial because we knew right away we're like, how are we going to edit this, and what is the story we're going to tell? There are so many stories. There's, we could just do a biopic on Ted himself. His his life is super fascinating. Are we gonna tell an American Dream story? Are we gonna tell a David and Goliath story? And that's. They beat out Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts and it's billions of it's dollars. It's insane. Yeah. Really? Yeah, bro. It's it's crazy. Yeah. And Dunkin', which ruled the East Coast. Bro, they were the kings of the West Coast. What? The like the kings. The king, like the king kings of the West Coast. Yeah. So Dunkin' came and they're like, we're going to invest millions of dollars. And we're going to open in the golden prime land of California. And these little mom and pop Cambodian stores, they couldn't compete. They couldn't That's compete, they and, they, and they left. This they is left. the 80s, and they left. Now why do you think Dunkin' Donuts are not here? I mean, they're recently, back, yeah, now back they're back here again. Only the last 10 years or so. Yeah, like dude, that's years. the reason why. 2012. Yeah. That mm -hmm. was, well, that 2012, was yeah. the first yeah, time. Yeah, there's an article on why yep. Dunkin' failed, and now they're back. Yep. So, yeah. It's because you're dead. Single-handedly. Yeah. 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 Isn't that insane? Isn't that insane? That's crazy. And the network of Cambodians. That is crazy. Yeah. And like and, and the bond was so strong. Like there's a there was a loyalty to Grandpa Ted. And like that's like what I learned also. Well this was super touching is imagine Orange County in the seventies. It was pretty white, you know, like not a lot of people have seen Asian people. And when Ted first he was the manager of the Winchells, his English was terrible, right? It was very, very heavily accented. And he accent it was terrible like he they, they would like literally ching chong him yeah, yeah and they would make fun of him yeah. and he went to um his sponsor he was like totally dismayed he's like i don't know what to do and his sponsor's like oh you know people they all have their kind of prejudices right so he's like why don't stick christy in the front everybody loves her because his mom's hot right <laughs> she's like beautiful what? and they're like just stick christy in the front he's like keep ted in the back that's what he did what so then ted is in the back and then christy's out in the front making friends in the I community believe it. i believe it and he said and ted said you know little by little you know then we had a little bit more money we can donate five dollars yeah. to like little billy's little league baseball game and then he started to make bridges and then he started to like um make friends in the community during the filming of this, I don't know if you remember, this was a couple years ago, there was a donut shop in Seal Beach that uh, the owner's wife had cancer. No. And so she was in the hospital. I, I remember you. And it, this actually made international news. Yes. Because, and the customers are like, why aren't you with your wife? And he says, because I have to make donuts. I have to make donuts. And if I don't have donuts, you guys don't have donuts to eat. I got to make business. So this community in Seal Beach, which is super white, can't have this. Look, if we just buy him out of donuts every morning by like 9 or 10 a.m., he doesn't have any more donuts. He's got to go to the hospital. Oh, so they did that every wow. day. The community bought out all the donuts so he could be with his wife. So I thought it was so amazing that just like two decades earlier, the same people 
who were ching-chonging and didn't understand the differences. This is the same people who would like... Band it together. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. And that's, that's the power. That's, that's humanity. Like, we're all like... We're all in this together. We're all in this together. Yeah, 100%. We, all, we ought to help each other. We ought to support each other. And that's kind of how the mom and pop shops were able to hold on and fend off Duncan because everyone loved them, right? You'd rather, you'd rather uh, uh, support your local you know, small business than some big chain. Can, you know what can people expect from this documentary like you know like it once they do see it like what can people expect from this doc? I think uh, you can expect to be surprised I'm not gonna give away all the all the good stuff great answer <laughs> <laughs> um, you know I think I, and I always wanted that I wanted it to be a bit of a Trojan horse because like how many people on a Friday night want to sit down and watch a documentary about genocide. It's pretty depressing. Yeah, like yeah, not yeah. many people. But then you might like flip through your Netflix queue and you're like, Donut King? What's a Donut King? I, I like donuts. Yeah, you I like donuts. Yeah. Who, doesn't um, donuts? who doesn't love donuts? Yeah. Right? And, and you watch the Donut King and you're going to get a lot more than you bargained for. I'm not going to lie. Every donut shop that I've gone to so far, ever since then... <laughs> I'm like, hey, do you know the donut king? <laughs> he, he does. <laughs> I, I'm asking him joking. I remember this young kid. He's like, donut king, and he. I thought he. He thought that I was like joking around with him, and I was like, no, it's a, it's a documentary that's gonna be coming out. It's called the Donut King. Like, maybe your your family will know yes. about the Donut King, yeah. and then he was like, oh, I'll have to ask my, but I'll definitely support the film. But I've been just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do have. You know, do you know the Donut King? Do you know the Donut King? Which is which is exciting. Uh, but going along with this, like, so obviously the pandemic has hit, and the last time I've heard about the Donut King, besides um, with Migs, is um, that it was going to be playing at film festivals. And then obviously that's at a halt right now. So where are people going to be able to view the film? Because I, I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it so bad. We, we're going to be announcing very soon. Um, it should be our initial date was going to be in November. Now it might be pulled up to October. Oh, nice. Um, and on what pl platforms is to be determined. It was meant to have full theatrical life, and then it was gonna have limited theatrical in LA and New York, and now with how everything is, um, not sure we're actually gonna get a theatrical release, but it could be um, what they call virtual cinema, mm -hmm. or TV on demand through iTunes, or we're not ex exactly sure which platform it's going to be yet, but we will announce soon. What is a theatrical? Um, going into movie theaters. Oh, oh okay, yeah. Okay. Oh, geez, that's big. <laughs> yeah, huge. yeah, it's huge. It's but because of COVID, you can't really. It's a little heartbreaking. Anymore. Yeah. It's unfortunate. And just like you know, um, we're about to wrap it up pretty soon here. I know you know Uncle Kong kind of mentioned earlier that the movie has already won a few um, awards. Is that something that we could share? Talk about? We did. So we were we were meant to premiere at South by Southwest. It was going to be a really big deal. Yeah. Oh my god, we were going to have some cool people come to the premiere too. And the party. And Damn, we were going to be there. <laughs> yeah. And it was going to be a blast. Um, unfortunately, that did not materialize. But they still continued with the competition where we won special jury prize for excellence in documentary storytelling. Wow. wow. And then we continued on to the Sun Valley Film Festival where we won the one in a million documentary. 
which is the oh. best documentary made for under a million dollars, which is basically all documentaries. That we huge. <laughs> how many? How many documentaries were like buying it for that award? Like how many were? So oh. How much competition? Yeah. Twenty. Wow. So twenty wow. something. Wow. Uh, and actually today it starts the Bentonville Film Festival that is in Bentonville, Arkansas. It's Gina Davis and an actress, Gina Davis. She founded this film festival, and we are in competition there That's this amazing. week. And there are a couple of other festivals that are not announced yet, but we've got a couple more exciting festivals coming up. Gosh, we're going to be in the Hawaiian Showcase next week. So yeah, the film's got it's got some legs. It's yeah, it's pretty acclaimed at this point. I could see that. I mean, if if I found it, I was I was like, when is it coming out? Yeah, it was like yeah, I. I was super excited about it. I'm so excited to hear that. Yeah. It's not just like yeah. my friends, you know. Right, right. No, it was it was all over the Asian Hustle yeah. Network, yeah. like on Facebook. Like they have like forty something thousand people that are on that in that private group, and so someone had posted it up, and everybody was liking it. So oh I'm my like, god! And that, that's how I was like, oh, what is this Donut King? Yeah, like I love um, donuts. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, for, and for me, it's like you know, not just because they're family. It's it's really. It was more of the story behind the struggle and yeah. the, the the rise and fall and, and just everything about it. That was for me why I want to promote it so much because yeah. I want people to feel what I how I felt reading the book and then actually being part. Like, I feel like I'm part of it just because you know I'm super close to them, you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I just wanted to people to feel what I felt, you know, when when I knew about the story. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you with a very fun fact. Um, we open the film with the Wu Tang Clan track. What? what? What track? Which? Oh, I, I, cream. what was it? We, we, we opened the film with cream. Oh, nice. And as you should, y'all. That took four months of me, for me, like four months oh, yeah, to, to get it. Yeah. It, for people who don't know, getting licensing, getting music clearance for films, and TV, it's yes. very, yeah. very hard. He's and, an RB singer. And great. And, and for Wu Tang, they're very, very, very expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very expensive. And then even if you have all the money in the world, that doesn't even matter. They have to like you. Yeah. Oh, really? So they have creative control. Like, like they're like, eh, not going to do it. So, I mean, I asked every single person I knew, like, who do I know? Who knows somebody who I'm like, how do I get to? Like, I first got to Method Man. and they're You like, actually spoke to them? Spoke I spoke to Rocky? You spoke to <laughs> I, the chef? I, I spoke with somebody close to Method Man. Oh, and no. they said, I'm sorry, God. this sounds so great, but everything goes through to RZA. Right, so then wow. I had to go to RZA. Of course. So then I went to RZA, and then I wrote a letter. I had to write another letter. Then a friend floated me a secret phone number. Mm-hmm. I called this phone number, and it was this girl, and she's like, okay, I'll help you get your letter. She's like, write a letter, email it to me. So I wrote another letter. Then there was nothing, and then it was like getting close to the end, like close to South By, and my music supervisors are like, hey, do you want to think about any... Alternative, you know, yeah, because course. like we're cutting it close and I'm starting to get nervous. And I said, no, no, all in, all in, we have to. And she's like, uh, so I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I'm going to call that random phone number again. And I, I called the random number and she was like, look, it's, uh, we're drawing a hard line right now. And he's saying no to everything. It's like, and you know, the Riz is one thing, but like it actually has to go through divine. His brother, mm. 
and he's been drawing a hard line because we cannot set the precedent. I know you have no money, you're like a documentary. So we cannot set this precedent because we have other negotiations going on. Wow. And he's like, and just for context, like lifelong friends, he said no. So how did you get the release? So I wrote another letter at 11 p.m., I wrote another letter, and she's like, "But you know, you never know. You know, you can come in tomorrow and be in a really good mood." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was yeah, like, yeah, "All right, well, yeah, maybe yeah. he meditated." And and she's like, "Well, you know, and yours is the only documentary." So I wrote a, another like super personal letter. It was clear the next day. Wow! Wow! <laughs> and they basically well, we also have an impact partner for the film. We've partnered with Refugees International, so uh, a portion of Proceeds and profits from the film will go to Refugees International. Wow. Um, because obviously we've been able to see firsthand how much refugees, if given a chance, can contribute to a community and contribute Amazing. to a new country. So we have an impact partner and they wrote, they're like, hey, you know what? The story resonates with us. The fact that you partnered with Refugees International, it really resonates with us. So it is our honor to clear wow. this track for you. Wow. I love that. Just, just love even that your grit is, is pretty awesome. What's that? Just even your grit is pretty awesome. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. We, we, we know the hustle, but yeah. I mean, persistence, persistence obviously paid else. off. And mm -hmm. wow, that, that's awesome. Um, before we end the show, I, we always like to ask our guests, um, anybody that wants to become, um, you know, like a DP or producer, what is your best advice for them? Best advice is to be active and do it and shoot. It doesn't matter how much money or how no money you have. We all have tools at our disposal now, whether even if it's an iPhone, because you have to, you have to know your craft. You have to get better at your craft. You just have to, you have to practice. And, and it's easier now than ever. I mean, back in the day and everything had to be shot on film. Everything cost thousands and thousands of dollars. And now there's all kinds of new technologies that allow the barriers to entry to be so much lower. Um, but, Barriers to entry being lower does not mean that anybody can just be a storyteller. You have to have your voice, and you, the only way you find your voice is by doing it. Practice. You guys are already here on the kicks. You, you heard that first. You guys you heard, heard that first it here. <laughs> I know you, you guys are going to be the next Alice. <laughs> so we're excited to see your films as well, yes. too. And um, Alice, if you want to just give our audience and our, our listeners where they can find you or any social media platform that you want to promote. Uh, you means. can find me at um, on Instagram at Gubird, G-U-B-I-R-D. You can find the film at the Donut King Film. Uh, check it out. Yes, yes. everyone, please check, check it out. out. Yes, support 100%. support the Asian family. Yes. Support, the Asians. Yes. Yep. support the Asians. Yep. <laughs> Asian Hustle Network, right here. Asian, Asian Hustle Network. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, you guys. And thank you, Alice. Thank you. It's been an honor. Thank you so um, much. A great piece of conversation with you. Uh, you've definitely inspired a lot of people, especially us. And the, especially with the storytelling that you've, you did today, uh, we are honored to have you. And honored to be here. Thank you so much. Awesome. And my family would like to thank you because without you, we wouldn't be here. I have to think. Without your story, I wouldn't be here. So that's a big, like, both ways. welcome yeah. to, like, all y'all. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much, you guys. Uh, stay tuned for this episode. It's going to be amazing. Thank you. Late. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Woo. You are listening to Kickspot. You are listening to Kickspot. And, and we're back. back. <laughs> You're at the Kickspot. Yes. And this is our um, 
Donut King episode, and we have the pleasure and the honor of having the actual family members of the documentary. If you, you, don't, hear, you don't hear, but we had a clap. We have sound effects, sound effects on our show. On our show. Oh, okay. So you've got, you got uh, yes. an applause <laughs> as yes. you got to enter. So you but, can listen to, you can watch the video. Yeah. So the first two parts, we were with our, the documentary director for The Donut King, uh, Miss Alice Gu. Um, I've seen the documentary. Gino hasn't seen it yet. I, I, you know, it's pretty powerful. The, the journey of Ted Nagoy's uh, rise to success of, you know, creating a donut empire in Southern California. And obviously the, that's the story behind that. So, you know, today we have also my future mother-in-law and my future grandma, you know, uh, Savvy Nagoy, which is Ted Nagoy's daughter. And Cr Grandma Christy, I forgot your last name, Grandma. Nagoy. You know, um, Ted Nagoy is like ex-wife, you know, so they're going to give their side of the story and their perspective of that journey in itself. And, you know, we're we're honored to have them. Um, you know, it took a while to get, you know, kind of this thing set up. But thank you guys for having us, you know. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of my favorite things um, to watch are documentaries. Yeah. And as I got to see a lot of documentaries, um, the post interviews are, are pretty interesting because they talk about, hey, I wish the documentary had said this or they port portrayed it a little bit differently. I have yet to see um, the Donut King documentary. It's always sold out. And, you know, I'm, I've been trying to tell Migs they try to figure out a way. Yeah. I've been asking to go home to invite me or something, you know, to just to try to watch it. But as uh, you, you had an opportunity to watch the Donut King documentary, in your perspective, is it portrayed like how how it actually is in the documentary? Is your lifestyle was it like that, and 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 what was that? What was that like? Um, you know, uh, in the documentary, they talk a lot about people, the refugee refugees that came here, and then uh, we start them in the donut business, and you know, and then some of them are very successful. Know, all kind of stuff like that, but uh, not the personal life. We didn't really talk that much about that in the documentary. Yeah. So, like from your, so you meant from the investments that were given, mm -hmm. from an outsider's perspective, it was like, oh man, they're, they're doing great. Yeah. And then internally, you, was it a struggle or is it like a financial thing? Was it like the mental it's, aspect? It's not. Uh, Financial instinct, but it's just uh, a lot of work, very hard work, you know. Everybody is just always out in the donut shop, you know, putting like 12 to 14 hours a day, you know. Mm. No f time for family at all, you know. Oh, so, so with the investment, you were actually there as well? It wasn't just like a, a monetary, no, here's your money? No, no, no. We started from the beginning. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. From zero. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. We came here with only $4,000 with us. And then we put everything in the bank. And we didn't get a dime from welfare, from help from the government, nothing. So, Grandma, when the first store was the one in Tustin, right? Yes. That was the one on... Um, yeah, at the church. At yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a Winchell's, right? Yeah, we, the, the church uh, pastor sponsored us. 
Oh, okay. So they put us in the church for mm-hmm. about one week. No, oh, wow, that's yeah, it. Yeah, no, no, no shower, just a bathroom and where to sleep, room to sleep. Mom, do you remember this? Yes. And okay. then after that, uh, they rent us a house. Uh-huh. And then uh, they put uh, Ted to work and uh, one of the nephew, the two men in the family, to work in the in the church. Oh, in the church. In the church, okay. yeah, mowing the grass, you okay. know, like a janitor and something like that. And the kids are working, uh, going to school in the church there. Oh, okay. They have the, a small classroom in uh-huh. the church there, so the kids go into the school there. Uh-huh. And the girls, us, the women, we cleaning inside the church and inside the classroom and everything. So when did you guys get the first donut shop? And then one of the sponsors, he said he brought Ted to work in the extra work in the gas station. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In the gas station, mm-hmm. he works at night, night shift. And the next to the gas station is a DK donut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a small DK donut selling through the window. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, we didn't know nothing about donut before. <laughs> <laughs> we just came here like what at that time like couple months, uh-huh. uh, one month. And then uh, one of one day, uh, one of the co-worker, he told him, he told Ted, "Oh, let's go get a donut. You know, there's nobody's here. Quiet, because night shift. Go get a donut, fresh donut." What don't? What is a donut? <laughs> what is donut? That's true, though. I mean, and then yeah. uh, he go get a bag of donut, and then we they ate it. He ate it. And he said, "Oh wow, it's so good! <laughs> <laughs> it's sweet. It's so good. I never had that in my country, you know." Yeah. And then they say, "Okay, he, he will bring it to uh, me to the, the wife and kid at home, you know." But <laughs> and then after that, then uh, next to the house. We saw, I saw a, a shop uh-huh. with the same kind of <laughs> like donuts, yeah, yeah, pastry, yeah. Uh-huh. I yeah. said, oh, yeah, it looks the same. That's yeah. the donut thing. Yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. donut. <laughs> so, and then after that, then uh, he went to that shop and talked to the owner to mm-hmm. the shop, right? Oh. Yeah. What was the uh, the owner? Like American, were they? Yeah, Asian? American. No, they all okay. white. There's no Asian at that oh. time yet. No. That, that's interesting because um, Alice um, had told us that she got interested in the Donut King because her nanny had uh, said that the only donuts that they eat were Cambodian donuts. Yeah, there was like, why is it a Cam? Why does it have to be Cambodian donut? What's so? Why is it called Cambodian donuts? <laughs> yeah, and so I, she I, got. That's what piqued her curiosity on making the documentary. Yeah. So did. Did you change the recipe or anything? No, no, it's the same. But uh, they just call Cambodian donut because the, the owners most of the shop are owned by Cambodian now. It's the hands of the Cambodians yeah, that yeah, make yeah. it taste better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a love. There's a there's Cambodian no. love in there. You yeah. know, <laughs> mom. Do you remember your first donut that you you had? No. Oh, you don't I remember? Don't she okay. was too, too small. Young. Yeah. Okay. I don't she was about what six years old. 
Did you guys put them to work at the donut shops when you guys had donut no, shops? No, they were too small. But <laughs> they, when they teenagers, yes. oh, they did. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. They they rode the bike from the house to the donut shop. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. with chairs. <laughs> oh, wow. Started early. That's awesome. In <laughs> summertime, when they yeah, off yeah. from school, yeah. <laughs> so one of my questions, I guess, is you know when listening to the story from Alice on how um, kind of. Grandpa Ted and like how he built it and how he helped Cambodian families kind of get their feet, you know, started in, in the states by giving them a donut shop. I thought, I mean, when I read the book, I was already inspired, regardless. But hearing the story and him knowing you guys, I'm like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. But when, when did Grandpa? This is a question for you. When did you start feeling that there was something bigger? That like what Grandpa Ted was doing. Was gonna be more impactful to the Cambodian community than anything. Like, when did you start feeling uh, that? Like, uh, we started when we first came in 1975, mm -hmm. and then, uh, after that, the whole family, his side of the family, come and then we sponsor them like a hundred of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a hundred. Yeah, kids and adults, you know. You guys physically sponsored yeah, them. Okay. Yeah, we sponsored them. So were then they living with? Were they living with you as well? No, no. Okay. Only his sister. Okay. His sister and her family living with us for like the first month. Okay. Until we found a place for them to. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow. So that's when you know, like, oh, there's like. And then we put them all to work in the donut shop, even like, though they don't speak any English. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So like, and then did you just start feeling like, okay, we, there's something here. Like we're actually helping these families out. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you guys started seeing, cause there was, I guess I, from what I read, there was a system, you know, apparently like grandpa Ted was, wasn't asking the families any money until they made a profit of that donut shop. Is that true? Like if, if, if they, if I got a donut shop from grandpa Ted, like he wouldn't ask me for like the residuals until my store got a profit. Is that how no, that works? We, we, we make, uh, okay, we build a business, mm -hmm. okay? For the business to make the profit, enough profit, and then we turn it over to them. Oh, so oh, you would build it. You would build yeah. it first. Yeah, oh. we build it first. Okay, and okay. And then they yeah, lease it to them. And then they lease it to them. If there's no profit, we, we cannot do it. Oh, so you guys would buy the physical shop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh -huh. then once it turns a profit, you just hand it to them? Yes. Yeah. No, that? you lease it to them. Oh, you lease it to yeah. them. Yeah. Okay, they okay. Take over. They take yeah, over. They take over the business. And then you guys get a percentage. By that time, of we okay. teach them everything already. Oh. Oh. We train them to do yeah. everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was the reason why you decided to go with doing that versus just, you know, getting them to run the business and then once they break even? Like franchising it to them. Yeah. What, you know? What's the reason why you decided to do that first? Because in the beginning when you had mentioned that from an outsider's perspective, it was it looked like there was a lot of money coming in, but internally there was a lot of stuff that it wasn't financially there for you as, as a family. Mm -hmm. the, the concept makes sense now because mm -hmm. you're actually physically doing all the work and making it yeah. easier for other people. Yeah. That's crazy, but, dude. No, but, one, no one does that now. I mean, I mean, just think about a franchise model. That's what they do, right? They I build know. up a system yeah, yeah, yeah. that works very, very well. But that just, it's a lot of time invested into the business. But what's the reason why you decided to go with that, that model? Well, because we 
because uh, those people who came into this country they don't know anything uh-huh. no no English nothing but it's easy for them to work in the donut shop to own a donut shop because uh, when people client come in customer come in come in they just point which one they want and they don't need no, too much uh, language you know yeah I think my dad wanted help Yeah. And that's easy. The wife do sales and the husband bake at night. That's all you need. Yeah. Really? Super simple. Yeah. And the kids help out after yeah, school. Yeah, just like, kids help yeah. out after yeah. school. Close at three. I don't know what time. Yeah. Three, Open four, early, five o'clock. Early. Yeah. Well, the donut business is a 24-7 business. I mean, no, like... Now, no. Now it is. No, now it, before, oh, no. before it wasn't? Before it wasn't no. Oh. So you would... But you would wake up at three in the morning and yeah, then the baker, bake. Yeah. The bake will open. start at midnight. Not three, midnight. Yeah, at midnight. Yeah, that's, that's still 24-7 to me. Look at us as youngsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they don't open the door until the donuts are ready at five, four, five in the morning. And then what time would you close? They close at the three, four. In the afternoon? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, afternoon, yeah. Okay, I, I thought it was all the way till night and then you no, the no. wake but up But now it's like, it's, it's yeah, a con- yeah. like constantly running. Like they're constantly baking now because it's 24 hours. Yeah, now, yeah. People yeah. now it's different hours. because yeah. they add sandwiches they add all kind of stuff yeah you know? mm-hmm. there's a lot more competition yeah. now with like yeah Dunkin', yeah Dunkin that, that time yeah that that time not yeah, much just donuts, yeah just donuts now they have sandwiches, yeah. burgers hot dogs, yeah all kind now. of things so i have a question for mom so when did you feel like oh like dad actually like created this like world for us like this donut repet you know like reputation for cambodians like What, did you did you start like, when you were growing up as a teenager? Like, were were you being looked at as like kind of like the donut princess? I guess like no. you know, or no. well, because, I, the donut princess. Yeah, well, well, no, it's because like because if Grandpa Ted is the one that built this thing for Cambodians, so like it's kind of just like well, it's like royalty. Yeah, royalty. Yeah. Like you guys are royalty. No, right? I, it wasn't like that for us. I knew so my how, mom how and dad worked like? hard, uh-huh. and we were just there helping them out. We oh. didn't feel special or anything, not at all. Okay. That humility yeah i mean obviously mom and dad were working very very hard um what was your childhood like growing up because you know as as a immigrant father like my my dad came here and i never got to see my dad so my relationship with my dad isn't as strong as i would like it to be i didn't get a lot of love and affection and i see other families i always look at mix's family they're hugging each other I'm like what is this concept that you guys <laughs> it's so <laughs> interesting weird. to see like the the family dinners the there's the, the christmas like, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i know so, yeah. like i see sappy's posts yeah. and stuff and then i'm like man my father was like never there and and so what was your childhood like as you know yeah, both were working very it hard it was the same as yours my my mom and dad were always at work a lot they never came to our school functions or no Really? We played sports and stuff. They never no. come to the games. We don't see them. We only see no. them at nighttime for dinner, and like they were not. We were never involved with anything. And my parents were super strict and hard workers. Later in the years, you know, they always home with grandma, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and me and Ted always on the road, building donut shop in San Francisco. Yeah. Oh, They're all geez. over the place. San Diego. Then we we really? be out yeah. there. Oh, They're so out much. out of the A house. Lot. Yeah. They're always out. For months. So, Grandma, how many total stores did you guys like take over, and and give to you know Cambodian uh, families? Over 40. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! So that's from like Bay Area to yeah, San Bay Diego. Yeah, Bay Area, San Diego, uh-huh. and uh, 
LA, Fresno, one in Fresno. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard the story to drive up to Fresno. And whenever we build it before we give it to them, we go out there ourselves, run a stay in a motel, hotel, yeah. run a car or drive from here, and then train them from the beginning, train that one family mm-hmm. until they on their feet. Two three months, yeah. then they gave it to them. Then we come back home. So oh what was the gosh. what was whole goal? Is it? I mean, as far as for like my family, it was they moved to America because of a, of a better opportunity for my sister and myself. Mm-hmm. So when I look back, it was always the decisions that we they made. They they stressed how important education was because they wanted a better lifestyle, like for for us, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why they were working very hard. The story here is a, is also a little bit different because you're not only trying to do that, you're also trying to build some type of legacy for other Cambodians to also have an opportunity. So, what what was the actual vision? What was the goal that you were trying to accomplish by doing all this? Well, to help uh, all the Cambodian people to have the business because we know that the donut business make pretty good money. If you the whole family worked there without paying labor to outside labor, mm. you know. And what, what's the reason why that was so important for, for the family? I think my dad just wanted to help the Cambodians. Yeah, everybody wanted to come yeah. here. And he was able to help them by opening up donut shops, leasing it to them, bringing another family in, do the same thing. So it just kept rolling on. That's insane. Yeah, it's insane. Like, I mean, watching the, you know, kind of like the rise of it, and then, because it got to a point where you guys really were making money, like, you know, and you guys were pretty, living pretty lavishly. Yeah. And we saw the the house in Mission Viejo. Uh, it's still there, I think. Yeah, it still yeah. has not been sold. There's a curse going on in that house right now. <laughs> there's, there's an omen there. But um, so, like, when, when you guys were at the top of that, you know, kind of lifestyle in that world, like, I know, you know, the, the story of, you know, Grandpa Ted obviously losing it through um through gambling um and then kind of regaining that that back um can you guys just kind of share what that period was like you know when you guys had everything and then from having everything to losing everything can you guys talk about that it's a bad dream it's it's tough (laughs) it's a nightmare it's a a nightmare yeah yeah i mean yeah i was crying Mm -hmm. (laughs) we were all crying every day Yeah. yeah And we lost everything. So. I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen the house, but it was yeah. like a shoot, man. It's like, is that the biggest house in Mission Viejo Lake? It's sixty-nine hundred square feet. Wow. Three stories. Three stories. Has bro. an elevator and a sauna, sauna, swimming pool right on the lake. Yeah. Sabi and them were born already, right? Like the kids were born already. Oh yeah. Right? Oh yeah. yeah. Sabi was yeah. little. Sabi yeah. was there and Phoebe. Yeah, and Phoebe. Yeah. So Julie too. Yeah. Okay. It seemed like when we were talking to Alice that. Um, he was just very confident that even though you lost stuff, it was easy for him, for him to, to get it money. back. Yeah, he's like, it's making money. It's so easy it seemed for him like to make he money. didn't necessarily worry too much. Was there anything behind closed doors that you saw where you're like, oh my gosh, like I don't think that's really going to happen. We're not going to be able to gain back our fortunes ever again? No, he, he's worries, but he cannot just stop his addiction, you know. Mm. There's, there's nothing he can do to stop it. He went to the temple to Washington, tried to be a monk for like a couple of weeks, you know, shave his head. And oh, he tried to be a monk? Yeah. yeah. 
for one in Washington, came back. Didn't work. Same. Didn't work. Yeah. Didn't Did help. Did you go to Gamblers Anonymous? And then Anonymous? even to Thailand too. Oh, that's right. Island. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Alice told us about that. Were there any signs of addiction, like habits that he had yeah. as you were growing up? What What were some of those Very signs? Bad. <laughs> growing up, mom. He saw when he was even when he was younger. Uh, no, no, no. As as you guys were living all together, obviously when you oh. when you were growing up. And it's, yeah. No, it's because one day I don't know who who introduced us to Vegas, mom. Who was it that took us there for the no. first time? Because we've never been. Mm-hmm. No, so we, we went there, me and him. First. No, but uh, yeah, for the first time, right? Yeah. And he saw Vegas. He's like, oh, wow. So he liked oh, he it. He got hooked in Vegas. Yeah, he liked it. Oh, but wow. but before know, that, he wasn't. No, he no, no. Before, he, before it was in Cambodia. Uh huh. Like, like in Cambodia, the gambling is uh, illegal. Mm-hmm. Oh, illegal. okay. So, so they don't have only on Chinese New Year or something like that. Then they open it. So people playing in the street at the house, friends and stuff. He was addicted in, in that. And is was that the only addiction? Like usually, I correlate addiction to habits. So if someone likes to drink and then they stay, they can't stop. That's a type of addiction. Yes. Um, or if they like to win, they'll do whatever they Basically, want to yeah, win. Yeah. yeah. And like that. So yeah. so were there a yeah, lot of those like type him. of signs mm-hmm. that led up to addiction? Okay. If that he wins, he's happy, but uh-huh. he go back again. Because he needs that rush. Yeah, but he when he lost, he's mad and he go get more money to go back again to get it he's back. He's always chasing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So always it won't chasing. stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah when yeah. when yeah. he's gonna stop? Yeah, yeah. Not stop. Wow. So besides, like you know, obviously, like there's the rise and obviously the fall, right? And like you know, the rise back up again. Like overall, like with the the documentary and just you guys experiencing it for you guys for for yourself are you guys proud of the fact that the legacy that was left behind because that from the documentary it seemed like the legacy to me that i understood was it was to really help the cambodian culture get out of the regime and that was a way for grandpa ted to kind of give back to his to his roots to his culture so I guess my question is, do you guys feel proud that that's really kind of what it is and what happened? You know, overall, even though with all the addiction, all lost, all the money and stuff, but the, the whole purpose of the vision, are you guys, were you guys proud of that? Yeah, we, we, yeah, we're pretty proud of it because uh, everybody knows us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. Know, at that time, we were like, uh, everybody knows us on the weekend, they all come and party all the time, you know, but uh, when we fall. Because you guys saved a lot of families' lives. I mean, yeah. that's that's kind yeah. of a big deal, you yeah. know, like not a lot of people could say that. You guys saved a, a ton of families, got yeah. them off their feet. In in America, like you said, Grandma, like they didn't know how to speak English. No. They, they, they had no business acumen. No. And education. no education, nothing, nothing, no. And it's truly inspiring to know that there was a family in here that would put in the initial work, and once it profited, would just lease it and pretty much hand it to them, and and just because it's a well-oiled machine at that point already. And it's like a turnkey. It's a turnkey. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that, looking back now, that you would have wanted to change? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I wish that uh, 
he didn't get addicted that much and then we would be still all together and then uh, have some money you know to I mean uh, to be to have a good life you know mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. well, it did, is what did, it is <laughs> did you experience that too like that that emotion that feeling when your, your father obviously was like going gambling and stuff like oh yeah Was there a lot of that? Was there any resentment or? Oh yeah, a lot of resentment. Yeah, Mm -hmm. a lot of that. Like I'm proud of my mom and dad, especially my dad, because he helped out a lot of the Cambodians. Mm -hmm. And everyone's so grateful, but the addiction is so strong, and he lost everything. And And whenever he lost, he came home, and then he (sighs) he got mad of all the kids. They didn't do anything, you know. But he came home. He yells and throws like stuff. Coaster, up and like, down. Really? Up and yeah. down all day long. Yeah. He's very moody. And Take the door. He, he takes it out on his kids, his oh. family. Does that explain why Uncle Combs always moody when he plays golf? Or <laughs> <laughs> he plays anything. <laughs> or when he, when he competes for anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Uncle Combs. Like. <laughs> you were crying. Oh, I'm always crying. I'm Where was Uncle Chen on I'm all this? I'm always so like, scared. Oh. Chet was there too, but he's quiet. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. He doesn't talk much, and he doesn't show a lot of emotion. Kom was still young. Yeah, yeah. yeah Kom was dad's favorite for sure. So. Uh, uh, I was gonna yeah. ask about that too because um, you know traditionally, like the son is the one that really gets catered to. Like especially in the Korean family, it's they. I'm the only son in my entire family, so to continue my legacy. So there's a lot of like catering towards me versus anybody else, but also a lot more pressure. Mm-hmm on my side um, but you know my dad has a very similar personality actually and so that's why when you're going when you're talking about these I'm, I'm like looking back at my life I'm like huh some of those emotions like are still there and, yeah. and the feeling is still there I, th- I think my my sister has a lot of resentment as well too for my father and coming from a female's perspective it's a lot worse what about from your perspective, from the the daughter's perspective? Is it was it a? Do you feel like it's a lot more compared to, you know, your brothers? I don't know. I think I'm just more emotional. I cry a lot growing up because of that. Even now, I still feel emotional. Stop talking about it. Yeah. I, I don't like talking about it too much. Makes me sad. Makes me sad for my mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's been through everything. She knows everything. It's not about the money. It's mm-hmm. about the family. He was not good to us. It's well. It's it's funny that you know mom started showing emotion right now because like I and she knows like she gives so much to like her kids. To a point where sometimes like I get mad about it because she just like she just tries to be protective of her children because she doesn't she doesn't want them to experience the same stuff that she experienced as a, as a child, which absolutely makes sense. Oh, yeah. and I, I understand it now. Like it's because I always like when me and Saps are like, like your mom's always there for you, like you know, like she's always like she's always there gonna save you. Like I get mad at that because I'm like, but I understand it now. Well, like, I got to know, see a lot yeah. of that actually yeah, yeah. during um, when we went to Lucky Strike. So I went to Angelo's Christmas party. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
and you you don't get to see a lot of business owners interact with employees like you do mm -hmm. and you don't get to see a lot of like the the family type of of atmosphere yeah. it was it was yeah. really it was an eye open opener to me when we were talking i was sitting there and i was visually watching everything and i'm like this is how a lot of entrepreneurs should be yeah yeah, yeah. this is like an ideal thing and so i think you do an excellent job and I, maybe that stems from like something that's happened in the past like for yeah. you and it's like you, well, i don't want to treat my daughter safira she's really good too at um, organizing things with employees doing things mm -hmm. for them absolutely doing with yeah. them yeah two organized she has a huge heart <laughs> oh absolutely she does like yeah, i love her for that yeah i mean she gets it from you mom but you yeah. know it's it, it, you guys growing up it, i never really saw the struggle but yeah. like as because i never did you know i no. just saw this house and i was like oh okay like you know yeah. but i i didn't know how you guys built to get to this point you know and like the struggles you guys had to go through i mean the story right like they had to escape there were kids like living in like camps, with camps you know like yeah, like they've experienced living in like a concentration camp dude like that's insane bro yeah you know so and, and the thing is it's like people just see kind of like the glamour now right like but they they never understood the struggle for it yeah they don't know you know yeah. they can't yeah but um no it's 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 the, the book itself is inspiring and obviously being part of this family you know like they've welcomed me with open arms and like i just the love that they have like what they've built besides like after the whole donut stuff like they built their own thing you know yeah. like like angelos like you know they have separate businesses like on their own now like all the kids you know all her kids have their own businesses at this point you know and it's it really stems from their teachings like you know grandma's teachings as hey you guys we're gonna make it on our own we don't need that money type of thing like that was it was nice to have but they built their empire themselves you know so yeah i think we have good work ethic from my parents i worked hard for my parents since growing up I think my kids see that and then they oh, yeah, work for sure. hard and now they're on their own. So mm -hmm. I'm super proud. Yeah, I'm very lucky and yeah. very proud to, of my grandkids. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys definitely opened that opportunity up for them. Absolutely. 100%. You know? Yeah, especially with her. She's a single mom mm -hmm. for a while. Oh, yeah. Know, this. For sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Super the stubborn. father never been here to raise them and then. Yeah. They become like a good kids and yeah, they're business kids. Yeah, I just I'm I'm just lucky, yeah, dude. Really, I just like yeah, dropped I'm in so here. Happy, yeah. I just came in. And, I was and like, then I came in <laughs> as well <laughs> with the package deal. <laughs> you just dropped in, <laughs> and there he is. <laughs> no, and like, and, and this is why me and Gina wanted to kind of get you guys this like kind of perspective on on that entire journey yeah. because it, it really is different when you when you're living it you know like someone can tell and, and make a movie out of it and make the story out of it but it doesn't compare to the people that actually went through the process yeah went through the struggle and got out of the struggle and made it their own like you know what i mean like there's something special about that and you know i'm i'm glad that my kids home and chat they're not the gambler like it's mm -hmm. that, you know. Yeah. Sometimes what comes they in the take stocks, after. You know, <laughs> he just me how to gamble on my stocks. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes they take after the father. You yeah, know, one of them. That's you true. never know. Yeah. You know. I appreciate him. He made me a lot of money lately. So. 
<laughs> Keep gabbling, y'all can call me. <laughs> it stops. Yeah, it stops. <laughs> Do you have any more questions, JP, for them? No, I, I think just to kind of end this segment, um, is there a message that you would like to give yeah. to people that have gone through similar, you know, experiences as yourself? And that, that's for that's for both, especially for Asian Americans that are looking to, you know, not only make it here but get out of their current situations. To me, I think I was too young to see that, but realizing now, I think mom, she should have kept an eye closely to my dad knowing that he likes to gamble mm -hmm. but i think she trusted him too much and... what no <laughs> i did everything no before he became like that mom no what do you mean before <laughs> little by little it's become like that okay. oh, do, you, do you remember he <laughs> just ran out to las vegas yeah. disappear from home and i drive all the way there to yeah, no. He drove all the way Yeah, I drove all the way there. Wow. Many, to many get times. him back. Oh, wow. But, like, at that point, Mom, you should have... What? You did something with the donut shops when you knew he was going after all the donut shops. How do I know? He went to the, each donut shop and make a deal with them, take the money, from, like, 50000 from them, and sign it over to them. And I didn't even know. How, what can I do? Yeah. Yeah. So what I, would I have to sue him or <laughs> put him in jail or something, right? Yeah. Right? So grandma, what would you change differently? Like, you know, if you, if you had to look, if you had to go back, like what what do you think you could have done better? Or like what, you know, what what would that be? Well, it's a, it's hard. I unless I divorce him. I divorce him early when we had all the money. Hmm. You know? Because there's no no other way to stop him, to to take out all the money from the family, hmm. you know. Because I have separate bank account too, but he still falsify my signature. What can I do? I have to put him in jail. Mm -hmm. That's why I say it. Just you have to divorce him. But mm. uh, you know, we've been together for so long, so I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I for couldn't sure. Do it. Of course, there's a history. I couldn't do it. Yeah. So I just uh, maybe some people think I'm stupid. Are you it's so? Hard. But do do you are you hard. are you guys happy like how everything is right now? Like were you guys like throughout the, all the experience? Can you guys say like not only have you guys learned, but are you guys happy where your life's at? Yes. Yes. Okay. I am very happy where mm -hmm. I am. Now. Yeah. No, if I didn't divorce him like 20 years ago, I was still crying now. Mm. Even if even, yeah, it's been 20 years. Even we, I follow him to Cambodia, mm -hmm. live in Cambodia for like seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. He still made my life miserable. Mm -hmm. Still gambling and then, then he started to get into girls. Cheating on me mm -hmm. and this and that. So, mm -hmm. Until I say that's enough. But just as long as you guys are happy. Like, if you guys are happy, you guys look happy, by the way. You know, yeah. it, it yeah. seems like you guys have kind of transitioned over to kind of like we're going to make our lives for ourselves. 
You just took a lot of that energy and and put it into positive perspective. Yeah, Yeah. 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 you can see that with your kids and everything too. So yeah, that's why since I got divorced after I divorced him, my my life is better. Like the weight was I off. Go, yeah, weight was I off. I go out and get yeah. a job, work, yeah. save money, be on my own. Mm-hmm. Before I was depending on him all the time. It's like I live in his shadow. Right, yeah, right, you right, know? right. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Would you open up a donut shop ever again? <laughs> <laughs> Too old. <laughs> <laughs> is there is, do you, is there any is there an, a donut shop that your family still has ties in? Oh, I'm DK is here in Orange, like with Adam. No, they just uh, no, they own the. Uh, they okay, but like for you guys, like there's there's no there's not one donut no, shop. No, like no, you guys. Okay. No, I thought there was. You know, if I go to a, a donut shop, they know me. I get free donuts all the time. <laughs> That's a nice perk to have. If I go to different places. I got free donuts. Yeah. That's a yeah, nice. Everybody knows me, my mom yeah. and dad. So. Donut for life. That's so cool, though. <laughs> I mean, shout out to Adam. Oh, like, no, I don't eat donuts, donuts though. Time, so. I don't eat donuts. Yeah. DK's donuts is one of the best. So, True. like, right. Yeah. And shout out to Adam always hooking it up. So, you know, <laughs> super bomb. But I'm so proud, you know, right now, you go to donut shop way out there, nowhere. You walk in there, it's Cambodian. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, oh yeah, Can whatever. You yeah. That? For sure. Yeah. For sure. In in other state too, not just California. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. No, yeah, in Vegas, I I, I remember going to Donut Shop before I went home just cuz I just wanted to see. It was Asian. It, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it's Cambodian. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Like yeah. you know, I mean, in I, Vegas. Yeah, and uh it was like it was off the strip. It was by the freeway. It was just like a, I just yelled Donut Shop and I just went in. And I was like, and I was like, oh, Asian. Yep. No, 100%. That's yeah. Cambodian. Like, That's 100%. Cambodian. Yeah. You had to be. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I actually don't know of a single white owned donut shop, except for if it was like a chain. Michelle's maybe, huh? Right. If it's like a chain. Yeah. Yeah. But every other family owned one, I've never seen anybody else yeah. but Asian people. That's true. Or Latinos. I have, I've seen Latino owned I have donut not. shops. Maybe, maybe yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Predominantly, is it is Asian. Yeah. You know, uh, Ted st- uh, started with Vincher, right? Vincher yeah, taught we, him. Yeah, we got that story. So he's the one. He's <laughs> Vincher uh, teaches his own competition. Yeah, no, Vincher's messed up. I'll say yeah. that. That's smart. Vincher's lost a lot of shot because Vincher's of Ted. Yeah, it's very smart. I know, and I and I know the the reason why Do- um, Dunkin' Donuts didn't come to the West Coast is because of Grandpa Ted. Like so, they were they were afraid yeah. they weren't they weren't gonna compete with the mom and pop donut shop. That's why they never opened up in here. That's Isn't so that crazy? Funny. Like <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts, like, you're so yeah. big, you're afraid of a little mom and pop shop. Yeah. Donuts was that was hard. Huge that was hard right there. Flex. So, but you know, ladies, mom, grandma, thank you so much for thank you, thank uh, you, you know showing your You're perspective. Anytime. <laughs> you know, um, I know you guys did it because like I'm pretty much family now. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> uh, they're gonna get I your own. Have, I didn't have to pay for this. So. They're gonna get your your own donut shop now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah go open. Yeah, go open one now. You're, you're young. No, but if you want to be a baker, yeah, you have to learn to be a baker. You first. know, I am not a baker. You guys okay. know that. Okay, so, all right. right. No donut you know shop for you. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, and like Gino definitely pushed me on like doing this episode, like just the Donut King episode. It was, you know, it was him pushing me. I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to bug them, you know, but like, you know, but thank you guys so much for taking the time. Um, this is really, we're excited to, you know, this is actually, just to let you guys know, this is a special episode for us because this is what's going to end our season one. You guys are going to be our 20th episode, oh ending it with a bang. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's really special for us. And then, you know, and from that, we're going to retire. No, we're not. <laughs> but thank you guys again. And we're out. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Kickspot.